This message is a message that I think needs to be heard. And again, the enemy doesn't want us to hear this message. Paul is going to be on his way to uh, see Caesar, right? And along the way, we know that there's going to be many uh, trials and struggles, right? And too often, we want immediate results from, uh, from prayer. And we get impatient, right? We get impatient. We want it now. We want it immediately. We want it in what I call a New York minute. And, but I wonder if God answered all your prayers immediately, if he answered every one of your prayers immediately when you prayed, would you press in anymore? Would you continue to pray? Would you continue to press in? And I, and I just wonder what would really happen and why, you know, would that pressing in still take place? And, and it wouldn't happen at the levels. I'm, it just normally doesn't happen at the levels when you have a burden on your heart and you're being persecuted and times are tough and it just doesn't happen through observation. We see over and over again that as soon as the prayers, as soon as the prayers are heard, the prayers stop. As soon as the prayers are heard, very often the pressing in has stopped. And we need to ask and we need to pause and we need to just say, God, am I just serving you because of what you can do for me right now today and right now in this moment or tomorrow? Or am I serving you regardless because I want a relationship with the King of Kings? And the Lord of Lords. And he's the great I am. Amen. And so we need to press in. Sometimes we just want a quick fix. But there has to be a pressing in. God wants us to press in more for him and with him. Now we're going to look at Paul. And we'll see that with all his faith. With all, with all the amazing stuff that he goes through. right? With all, with all his love. With all his passion. With all his zeal. With all the stuff that he had to go through. right? We still know that there was pain. There was suffering. There was persecution. And so much more. So today I call this message, Shipwrecked, Bitten, But Not Smitten. Shipwrecked, Bitten, But Not Smitten. And while people often use this word smitten about love, I love you, I'm smitten by you. This word can mean struck down or a hard blow or, or force. And we're going to learn that regardless of what Paul is going through, regardless of what he's facing in his life, he wasn't smitten. He wasn't defeated. He stayed focused on the things that God has called him to do. And while we see that Paul is heading to Rome, he will face many obstacles. But these obstacles are going to allow doors to be opened. And the word of God, the gospel message, is going to go out during this persecution and these times. During this process, right? We know that he's shipwrecked. We know that he was in prison. We know that he's bit by a viper. And we know that he's going to have opportunities to do great miracles along the way. And we know that he's going to heal the, the, the father, the chief official there of the land of Malta. And we'll see that God's hand was all over this, orchestrating all along the way, moving all along the way, touching all along the way. And we need to be careful that while we're focusing on our problems in life, that we don't miss Christ in our life. And we can quickly miss God's handiwork and miss what he wants to do as we're focusing on our problems. Now, scripture seems to suggest that Paul had a thorn in his side. And scripture doesn't tell us exactly what that thorn might have been. We know that it was, it was not a regular thorn, like a, a rose bush type thorn. Uh, Paul also says that it was a messenger from Satan. So it could have been physical, it could have been spiritual, it could have been emotional, mental, whatever it was, it lingered. It lingered. And it was possibly maybe just to keep him humble, right? Because Paul did some great things. He was, he was used mightily by God in so many ways, and he wrote so many books of the Bible. Maybe it was also simply because 
we can relate to him now because it wasn't disclosed. And so we can relate to him now. Maybe it stops us from becoming discouraged or quit while we're facing challenges of our own. It also seemed that he had bad eyesight. So um, besides prison, besides persecution, right? Besides people trying to kill Paul on a regular basis, besides the, the, the disabilities, Paul had these disabilities, he had these hindrances along life's journey that he had to overcome. And through it all, through it all, Paul remains faithful unto God. And so he had plenty of time where he could have just quit. He had plenty of reasons where he could have just quit, that he could have just been defeated, that he could have just packed it up and said, I'm going home. This is not worth it. This faith in Christ is just not worth it. But he had a zeal. He had a hunger for the things of God. I hope you hunger for God today. I hope you are thirsting for God today. I hope you want more from God today because God wants to give you more as well. And nothing stopped Paul from doing the will of his father. Not even a major storm, not even being shipwrecked, not even being bit by a viper. And so this morning we're going to look at three things. Paul prior to the storm, Paul during the storm, and Paul after the storm. And so we'll be in the book of Acts. And just stay open to those parts of the scripture as well because we have a lot of different verses that we're going to be jumping to in the chapters before. So why don't you stand as we read this portion of scripture. Acts 28. Once safely on the shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The island showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and he put it on the fire. And a viper, a viper by the way, a viper driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. Not a good thing, not a good thing right? And when the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Paul shook off the snake into the fire and suffered no ill effect. Hallelujah. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their mind and now they said he's a god. And there was an estate nearby that belonged to Publicus and the chief official of the island, he welcomed us to his home for three days, entertained us hospitably. His father was sick in bed, suffering from the fever of dysentery. Paul went to see him, and after prayer, placed his hand on him and healed him. Hallelujah. Working power of God through his saints of God. Hallelujah. When his hand, when this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. Listen, when we do acts through faith, lives are going to be touched and transformed by the power of God. Yes. You need to understand that, church. Yes. God wants to deliver us. Yes. And I want to encourage each and every one of you to activate your faith. Pray healing over people. Help deliver them through the power of God. They honored us in so many ways that when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with supplies we needed. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had winter in the island. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this word, oh God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing in this church and in this house. Have your way. Spirit of God, move, flutter, hover. 
Help us to focus on you, mighty God. Yeah. Bless these words, anoint these words. May we receive from you today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we're going to take a look at Paul prior to the storm, and we find him in jail, even though he's a citizen of Rome. In Acts 24, verse 27, I'm going to be giving you a lot of scriptures, so just jot it down if you want to. 24, verse 27, we learn that Paul is in jail for two years when Felix was succeeded by Porcius Thetis. And Thetis is now in charge, and he wants to please the Jews. So we see that he keeps Paul in prison and an example of government officials uh, using their power and authority already 2,000 years ago, not for all good, uh, but for political gain, right? Political gain. He wanted to please the Jews, and often it hurts and harms us in the process. And But God takes that and takes it and uses it for good, amen, in spite of people, in spite of the leaders that are operating in the flesh and not operating in the power of God. Paul's eventually going to make his, his appeal to Caesar. And as you know that Paul was born a, a Jew, but he's also born a Roman citizen. And how's that possible? And where do we get that information? Well, Paul, Paul says in chapter 21, verse 39, I'm a, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia. In chapter 22, he speaks to the people in Aramaic. And he goes to tell them in verse 3 that he was taught by Gamaliel who was a well-respected rabbi, right? And we know that he, was, he, he thoroughly trained Paul in the law and, um, of their fathers. And, and Paul was just as zealous, just as zealous for God as any of the Jews that he was speaking to that day. And Paul was considered a Pharisee of Pharisees and was well-respected until when he became a Christian. And it changed when he became a Christian and they stopped respecting him and some stopped respecting him. And it was believed that Paul was born both uh, Jewish and Roman. Um, and so in chapter 22, verse 28, when the commander was inquiring about Paul's citizenship, the commander asked Paul how he got his citizenship because he had to spend a lot of money to get his, right? There's a lot of people that get paid to get this stuff done, and it was very costly. But Paul says, I, I was born a citizen. Paul had dual citizenship. And at this point, the commander gets very fearful, right? He was alarmed and immediately withdrew the questioning from Paul because it was unfair, it was unjust, it was unlawful detaining Paul, who's now a Roman citizen. And so Paul had wisdom and he learned to use these systems to his advantage when needed. And, 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 and he was being violated by the power and the authority of that day. And so he used this to his advantage and he makes his appeal to Caesar. And as you know, um, we need to learn this as well, that Americans, as Americans, American citizens, we have special rights. Amen? We do. As Christians in this country, that means we have special rights as well too. So right now, uh, until those rules change, until the laws change, we have certain rights that, that we have. And so we have rights to assemble. We have rights to protest. We have rights for certain freedoms of speech. And many of us, uh, many people in the past have died for us, for our freedom. So the next time you just simply give up your rights and close your eyes to your rights, right? And cave into something that you never should have caved in the first place, right? Know that there are people that came before you that not only shed their blood for you, but they died. Paul knew the Roman, that he was a Roman citizen, and he knew that they had special rights. 
and treatment under the law. So he mentions this. In Acts 25, verse 11, Paul makes his appeal to Caesar. Now, if you read this quickly, these, these several chapters, right, you'll miss the fact that Paul has been in jail for over two years now from the time Paul was falsely accused when he makes his appeal to Caesar. And scripture reveals why Felix was holding Paul in prison. See, he wanted a bribe, and Paul wasn't paying the bribe. He wanted the bribe, and Paul uh, sat there for, for two years until Felix was succeeded by Thetis. And once again, we see the government, and we see people in authority, people in leadership using their power, their position, and their uh, authority for their own gain, for their own abuse, right? For their own gain and for, for evil, not good. We see that Felix did it. And now we see that Thetis is doing it as well. And when they operate in the flesh and not the spirit, they're putting forth their own agenda and they're not putting forth God's agenda, not putting forth and or operating in the spirit and not putting forth God's purposes, typically. Now, Thetis also wanted to do the Jews a favor, it says. And so he tried to get Paul to go to Jerusalem to have his trial there. But Paul, in his wisdom, makes his appeal to Caesar in chapter 26. Once again, we learn this, that Paul gives his testimony. And he does this now before the king Agrippa. And this is all leading up to the storm. I also think it's very interesting here that Paul's testimony is given several times in the Bible. It's given in chapter 9, in chapter 22, in chapter 26. It's also given in Galatians 1. His testimony and his life-changing experience. Right For us to hear, for us to learn, for us to study, for us to follow it, right? And by the way, church, every one of you should have a personal testimony from God, right? When people ask you, why do you follow Jesus? Why are you a Christian, right? When you witness to someone, you should simply share your testimony with that person. And it can simply be as simple as this. Jesus saved me, right? He saved my life. I was on a crash course to hell, but now I'm set free, born again, right? Living for him and going to spend eternity with him now and forever in heaven with God the Father. And then you start expounding on, on the word and expounding on what you on your testimony as you build a personal relationship with the with those people, whether they're a stranger or whether friends or family. But many won't share their testimony because many are not living the life that they were called to live. And so they choose not to share their testimony because people are watching them. And then people are like, you're a Christian? I never knew that. Many won't share it because they simply say, I don't know what to say. I've heard that so many times over the last 25 years. But simply, you're telling your story, right? You're pointing people to Jesus. I was lost. And now I'm found. And Jesus saved me, right? Saved me from, this, from sin and saved me from a, a world of sin and a world of hurt. It's your story. Do you really need to study it? Because you lived it already. So just share your story from your heart. You lived it. You know it. Share it, right? Share the things that God has done in your life and point them to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that one, Jackie. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know you were yelling in your heart. Paul ex explains his testimony. Referring to those Jews who knew him, he says in Acts chapter 26, verse 5. They have known me for a long time and can testify. If they are willing and according to the strictest sect of our religion, I was a Pharisee, it says. 
Verse 6, and now it's because my hope in what God has promised our forefathers that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as he earnestly serves God day and night. Oh, king, it's because of this hope that the Jews are accusing me. Now, we have to understand that Paul persecuted the church. He was a great persecutor of the church. And Paul was very good at this, right? And he goes on to explain that he punished many of the Christians. And he was trying to get them, it says, to blaspheme God. And when it was time to put Christians to death, Paul was there in some cases. And Paul actually voted for it. And he made his appeal. Go ahead and do it. It's a good thing. And so if Paul can be saved from the murders that took place and the persecution that took place, if Paul can be saved from all the crimes against the people and against against the church of God and against God himself, then I know that you can be saved as well. There's nothing that you have done, bad or good, that you have done that God won't save you if you turn to him, if you repent to him, which means turning away from your sins and turning back to God and inviting him into your life to be Lord of your life. Anyone, anyone, anyone who calls upon God and believes in his heart, right? The work of the cross and the resurrected Savior, you shall be saved. Amen. And now something happened to Paul here. It's going to change his life forever. And we call it the Damascus Road experience. Where Paul's actually going to get saved for the very first time. And as I said, he knew about God. He heard about this Jesus. He knew about God. But this is the first time, this Damascus Road experience, when he's actually going to be saved. Born again, set free. Hallelujah. Acts 26, verse 13. About noon, O king, as on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We fell to the ground. And I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, the Lord knows your language, by the way. He knows your language. He spoke Aramaic to Paul and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked him, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. And the Lord replied, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you a servant as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. Verse 17, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so they may, re they may receive forgiveness of sins and place and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was dis, I was I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. First to those in Damascus, then those in Jerusalem, then in all of Judea, right? And to the Gentiles also. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. This is why the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. And I want to just take a look at verse 20 again because I think it's important. I preached, I preached, I proclaimed that they should repent, that they should turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. Our salvation was never meant to be stale. Our salvation was never meant to be idle workers. Our salvation was never for us to just sit in a pew and do nothing and be stagnant and be isolated. We have been called to works of service. We have been called to faith. We have been called to do 
to do great and mighty things for God. You have been called and ordained in this time, in this season, to do great works for God. Because we're believers, because we're born again, that means we are called. And every one of us have a job and a calling and a responsibility to do. We are called to be kingdom builders and soul winners wherever you go. And so I want to encourage you today. Keep praying for your 21. For, for, for your 1 and 21. Keep modeling Christ in your life, wherever you go. Keep being mindful that you're not to work for selfish motives or selfish gains, but for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to advance God's kingdom, to advance God's mission, right? And, and to do the calling that you were called to do. You are called to a life of faith and service and works. Many, many have a similar, should have a similar attitude like Paul, copy his ways. I preach that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. Hallelujah. Works does not save us, but works show us that we're saved. I believe that. Acts verse 20 through 32, when you're doing it for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, when they're not just selfish motive acts. 28, then King, then King Agrippa said to Paul, do you think in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? You gotta love this guy, Saul, Paul, whatever you wanna call him right now, right? He, the zeal that he has, that even while he's in chains, even while he's in prison, even while he's being persecuted, he's trying to point people to Jesus Christ. I love that, verse 29. Paul says, short time, long time, right? Whatever it is, I don't care. I pray that God, I pray God that, that not only you, but all who are listening to me today, may become what I am, except for the chains, except for the bondage that I'm in. The king arose with the governor of Bernice, and those sitting with them left the room, and they were talking to one another, and they said, this man has done nothing wrong. He doesn't deserve death. He doesn't deserve punishment. And so they said, Agrippa said, this man should have been set free if he did not appeal to Caesar. So Paul is heading to, to Rome. And so we looked at Paul prior to this, to the, to the storm, and we see that he was jailed citizen, and now we're gonna look at Paul taking his voyage through a storm. Voyage through a storm. Acts 27, verse one, it was decided that we will sail to Italy. Paul said, Paul and some of his prisoners were handed over to the centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. And Paul very quickly won the heart of this centurion named Julius. He allowed his friends to minister to Paul as well Paul's needs. So they sat, so they sailed, and Paul warns them. He warns them. He heard from God and he warns them of this voyage would be disastrous. And he said there would be great loss to the ship, great loss to the cargo and lives. But the centurion, instead of listening to Paul, listened to man. Instead of listening to Paul's advice, godly advice, he listened to man, listened to the pilot and the captain of the ship. And before you knew it, the men ended up in a fierce storm called the Nor'easter with winds of hurricane force. The ship took a beating and they were battered and so bad that they started to lighten the load and throw everything overboard. So first went all the cargo. Then they threw over the shipping tackle. The Bible says that neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging and the people were giving up all hope from being saved. Sometimes storms in life cause you to give up your life. When we listen to the wrong things, to the wrong people, to the wrong leaders, we often end up hopeless and defeated ourselves. Be careful who you follow, church. Be careful who you're listening to. Be careful of who you're modeling. 
And church, let me say this to you. Be careful of what you're modeling to others as well in this church, in your home, in your life. Paul tried to encourage them. First, he reminds them that they weren't listening to him. I love that. Acts 27, verse 21. After the man, the man had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself all this damage of loss. This damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of God, who, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God graciously... Giving you the lives of those who are going to sail with you, right? So keep your courage, men. Men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. So Paul is saying, I told you so. I told you so. But not because he wants to rub it in their face, because he wants to get their attention. Listen to me, Paul saying, I heard from God. And we should listen to godly wisdom. And Paul heard from God. So you tried it your way, Paul is saying, and you failed. Now try it the Lord's way and succeed. And the storm lasted almost 14 days and they were still in darkness. Verse 29, fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks and dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape the ship, the sailors of the lifeboat uh, let the lifeboat down in the sea, pretending, pretending now that they were going to lower some anchors from the, from the bow. And Paul said to the centurions and the soldiers, unless these men stay on the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the rope and held the lifeboat and let it fall away. Let me tell you, now the centurions are listening. Now the soldiers are listening, right? Now they're following the warning. Now they're following the words of God. At first, they didn't listen to Paul. But now Paul is the one giving the orders, right? Paul is the one who heard from God. And so when we live a life of faith, According to scriptures, according to God's word, we're be, being led by the power of God and thirsting after God and obeying Holy Spirit. Lives will be saved and people will be transformed by the power of God and they will be set free from the bondages and the chains and the shackles that they live in. Amen. I think it's also very important that we understand that even though Paul was operating under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he still ended up in jail, eventually shipwrecked and bit by this deadly viper. Now, often people say, and I've heard this my, most of my life, hey, listen, when there's obstacles that are in your way or hard times, this means the door is closed, that God has shut the door. Well, we learn here in this portion of scripture that Paul's experience and his situation says otherwise. And Paul, the people say, hey, we just faced obstacles, right? But Paul is listening. Paul is obeying the word of God. Paul is moved and motivated by Holy Spirit. And yet trials came and persecutions came and they tried to murder him. But then we see that the doors were open. But you see, Satan was trying to close those doors. And God was saying, go, go. But Satan was like, no, I don't want you to do this. And there's nothing like being in the center of the creative God's will and hearing his voice and being led by him. And that's where safety is. And that's where security is and that's what a bright future is and you will face trial you will face struggles you will face hard times in your life but Paul went on and on and on and Paul reminds them they've gone without food for 14 days some of us need to go out go without food for a day Paul urges them and says eat manja and they went and they had food so that you will live and I love this Paul says None of you will lose a single hair from his head. What? 
You think they're thinking about how bold they are at this moment? They're like, I haven't eaten 14 days. I'm not worrying about the hair on my head. But anyway, that's how much God cares about us. The hair on our head. Verse 35, after this, he said, he took some bread. He gave thanks. And God, in front of the men, he broke it and he began to eat. And they were encouraged. Food encourages. I know I eat food. It encourages me. Hallelujah. I guess you don't have that problem. I do. And some, and, 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 and altogether, there were 276 of us on board. And when they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain over. That's where their money was in the grain. And they finally said, my life is more important than my money. They threw the grain over. In the middle of the storm, Paul pauses and prays. You've got to love this guy. He paused and, and prays. Church, we need to remember in the middle of our storms, pause and pray. Hallelujah. We get all caught up in life and all caught up in COVID and all caught up in, in our future and our planning. And we simply forget to pray. Pause and pray. And while some right now, we might be living in peace and things might be well for you, right? Things seem to be going well in many places. Life storms can approach mighty quick, mighty quick. So pray before it happens. Pray while it happens. Pray after it happens. Pause and pray. We are to be people devoted to prayer. And I know many of you are believing for revival and awakening. I know I am. We need to go deeper with God and enter his presence. Listen, 9-11, if you remember that, because so many have forgotten, 9-11, the churches were full. COVID emptied the churches. And this is a grave concern for me. Jesus is the answer to the world's problems. The churches should be full with people devoted to prayer and praise. We need to learn to enter his presence and then carry his presence with us. I want you to get that. We ought to enter his presence and then we have to carry his presence with us wherever we go. And it starts with prayer. It starts with praise, right? And going deeper with God and entering his throne room, right? And then it will lead to worship and more worship and more praise and more praying. And it's a cycle, putting forth God's plan and God's purposes, right? As we hear from God, we go out and we do these things. And so there's a great apostasy that has been taking place in the church for this last year. A great falling away since this hell pandemic had arose and started on earth and many people will never go back to church. Never. And some simply are just watching it from home. Even though the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, not to forsake, not to neglect the assembly of believers. And while many have isolated and stayed distanced for a season, it has now become multiple seasons. Multiple seasons. It has become a pattern. It has become a new way of doing life. Not going to church, not fellowshipping, not being with believers anymore. It's a grave concern. Many have fallen away from the faith and the following the words of God and being obedient to the words of God. They think they're being obedient to God and his words, but their actions and God's scripture, holy scriptures, tells us otherwise. Zoom and YouTube and Facebook and all these things connected us and it's great. But we were never designed to fellowship like this long term. I'm thankful for social media. I think you are too. Um, we can reach way beyond our borders, right? And it allows us to cross state lines and even, even ocean lines, right? We, can, we now have people listening, right, all over the world. Our podcasts and, and watching on, on, on online services. We're in Germany and Russia and, and Spain and Japan and Turkey and many other places around the world. And we see it on our site and we hear reports and we learn about this. Social media has opened us up to the world, church. 
right? Small Hamburg, New Jersey, with less than 4,000 people now, can reach out beyond our state and into the world. Hallelujah for that, right? And you here, and those that are giving and helping and serving, you help make this possible. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. And we know that Jesus came because he loved us. He loves you. He loves you. He died for you. And he wants us to have a forever future with him. We need to be sold out and passionate for the things of God. People need to see a praying church, a devoted church, a devoted saints of God. You know, there's so many false religions out there, and they're blowing us off the chalk by the way they're serving these demonic demons and false gods. And we have the truth and the words of God, and we're lazy. We're lazy. We need to be people of action, people of hope. And I don't mean just in this church. I mean in your life. Look at your life and just ask yourself, am I doing what God wants me to do? We need to be a church that knows how to give and go and be generous and be busy building the kingdom of God in your home, in your church, in your community, in your workplace. Paul knew how to pray in the good times and the bad times. He brought a message of hope in the presence of God wherever he went. He was sold out for the things of God. And now Paul is about to be shipwrecked. They cut the anchors, they cut the rope, the rudders. They hoisted the foresail to the, to, to the wind and to go to the beach. Verse, Acts 27, verse 41. But the ship struck a sandbar, ran, ran aground. The bow struck fast and would not be moved. And the stern was broken to pieces and pounding on the surf. The soldiers planned to kill everyone, all the prisoners, to prevent them from swimming away. But again, this centurion, Julius, right, spared Paul's life from, from them murdering Paul, right, out of, out of fear. He ordered those who could swim, jump overboard. First to get to the land, the rest went their way on planks or pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. So the ship is destroyed and the people swam safely. So Paul, so now we, we move to Paul after the storm. Paul and others are safely landed on the island of Malta. Safe landing. And on a side note, just has nothing really to do with this message, all right? But I just want to ask you, um, have any of you ever had Malta? <laughs> I went to Puerto Rico in El Junque, and I would just love to get this, this drink called Malta. I, I, I loved it, and I, it's this dark, syrupy, sugary, delicious drink. My teeth can't handle it anymore, but oh boy, I, I, I love it, right? So I haven't had a Malta in a long time, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Anyway, they landed on the island of Malta and has nothing to do with Puerto Rico. Uh, it's in the Mediterranean and um, it's close to where my heritage comes from. But the islanders showed them this unusual kindness and they built this fire and they welcomed them. And of course, Paul can't sit still. He's a worker, he's a doer, he's a go-getter, right? And Paul goes to get the firewood. And remember, there's 275 other people on that land besides the island people, so did Paul really need to go find wood? Um, others should have been helping as well, but it's wintertime and it's cold. And I personally believe that Paul, uh, he, he just decided to be helpful. But he also could have, it could have been simply that he was a prisoner still. And they were like, go get some wood. But either way, I believe Paul had this attitude of servanthood. And now he grabs some wood and he's bit by a viper and it latches on to his hand. And Paul simply shakes it off into the fire. And Paul is fine. And then he continues just to work. Ah, viper, big deal. Boom. Paul had great faith. 
He was going to see Caesar. God declared it. God said it. Hold on to the promises of God, church. When you get that promise, you hold on to it and you never let it go. And when that demon viper bites you, you just shake it off in Jesus' name. And you you just worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, I don't like snakes, so even a little garter snake needs to be dead. I won't kill it. No more. I'm grown up. But forget about a viper bite, right? Paul should have died. The enemies of God wants Paul dead. The enemies of God did everything to derail God, to derail Paul off mission, to derail him off message, right? Even tried to kill him several times and continued to try to kill him, right? He was in prison. He was in, he was shipwrecked. He was bit by a viper, but God had a plan for Paul and a purpose for Paul. And he was going first to go deliver that message to Caesar and nothing, no, no demon, no, no devil was going to stop it. Hallelujah. Now these local people realized he wasn't dead by the snake bite. Four and five, verse four and five. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said, this man was a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. By the way, justice is a reference to that Greek goddess of justice. Paul shook off the snake off into the fire and he suffers no ill effect. Watch how fast people change their mind about you. People change their mind. People are finicky, aren't they? And first they're like, he's got to be a criminal. He has to be a murderer. He didn't die. He must be a god. He must be a god. The people expect him to swell up and suddenly fall dead. After waiting a long time, seeing nothing unusually happen to him, they change their mind. He must be a god. So watch what people say about you. Right? Watch. Right? He didn't swell up. That didn't happen. He must be a God. How fast the world changes on you and changes their mind about you. They love you. Then they hate you. Then they want to crucify you. And today, right, they want to unfriend you. They want to ban you. They want to talk bad about you. Right? They want to make fun on you. They want to simply abandon you when things get tough or whatever, whatever it is. So Paul's elevated to a God. And as leaders and people, be careful of the cheers of those around you. If we're not careful, it will bring, it will cloud your mind and bring judgment against yourself. All glory goes to God. Hallelujah. Healing comes from God. Hallelujah. And Paul was on a mission, and God was very clear. You're going to see Caesar. Paul held on to the promises. Now, verse, verse seven, and he did it obediently. There was an, an estate nearby that belonged to um, Publius. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever. And you know that word already? Paul went to see him and after prayer and placed his hands on him and, and healed him. And when this happened, the rest of the people on the island, they came and they were cured. Now this is a, an infection is um, an infection in the intestines that was happening here. I won't go into details here, but it's a nasty one and painful. And so Paul, went to see this man who was sick and, and this guy's father and they prayed and, and he placed his hands on him and he was healed. Now I find this very interesting. I don't know if you do. Notice he didn't lay hands on first and then pray. He prayed and afterwards laid hands on him and then the healing flew, flowed, right? And sometimes we want to rush into the situation and Paul understood how to wait on God. I love that. He prayed. How long did he pray? It doesn't say how long he prayed, but we need to pray first. 
um, before we respond very often to things. And I love this story because it teaches us so many things about God, about Paul, about prayer, about patience, about walking in the authority of God and the spirit of God, right? Prayer. Paul was constantly in danger, though he was walking and operating in the things of God. He was serving God, and yet bad things happened to him. So often think, we think that because we're a child of God, nothing bad will ever happen to us. Paul's life and journey shows us otherwise. Paul was in prison. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul, Paul was bitten by a viper, and yet he was doing the will of God. It wasn't, it wasn't those things were trying to stop him, but God had a plan for him. And along the way, and along life's journey, he heard from God. He feared God. He took the presence of God wherever he went, right? He used those experiences for the glory of God. He took those trials, those struggles, those hard times when you're at work and you just want to quit and you want to give up, right? Those, those times when life is just not going in your favor. You're done commuting for two hours and you're just done with this. And, and, but Paul kept saying, press on, press on, press on, right? To the point, he's pointing people to the Lord all the time. Paul was always busy working and worshiping and building the kingdom of God. He learned to work for God instead of working for himself, even though his life was in danger and things were rough and tough. He learned to wait on God and listen to God and be moved by Holy Spirit. And because of this, many lives were saved and many lives were touched. On the ship, he paused to pray, even though he was starving. And even though the men were starving, right? Yet Paul prayed. Right? We're dealing with a sick man. He pauses and prays. Again, and healing comes. Paul shows us a lifestyle of prayer. A lifestyle of waiting on God. But he also shows us a man operating, walking, and working in the authority of God. Paul was a doer. He was a worker, right? He had his mindset on the things of God. And he was, God was navigating his steps as he walked. And he worked. And he entered into the presence of God in the process. And Paul took God's presence with him. And miracles followed. Miracles happened. In today's society... We always want to get to the next fix, the next event, the next thing. We want to, we want to go to the next assignment. Many have not, uh, have not learned how to hear from God and be moved from God and entering the presence of God in his perfect timing. You know, these last past five years, we've watched so many people come and go. And one thing I've learned, that many people are just impatient. Impatient sometimes with us and the church and sometimes with God. And they don't want to wait. And they, and they, and they, and not, not in God's timing either. They move on. No staying power. In some ways, they're very selfish in their understanding of things. Instead of waiting on God or seeking godly help or, or going into a time of, of worship and, and fasting, they move on. Over and over again, we see this happen over and over again. And Jennifer and myself, and I know the board, um, we're learning how to press in with God more and entering his presence and not rushing to make quick decisions. Um, as people of God, we need to do the same thing, right? We need to pray about things and wait on God and press in with God so often before we get our answer, so often before we just make a decision. And so we don't rush to give out critical or important assignments just because we need help or we, or we want help, right? We pause, we pray, we ask for wisdom and discernment, for guidance. God, help us. God, use us. God, God is this assignment the one I need to do right now? And during those times of work, of service, and ministry, God moves, God breathes, amen? God blesses, hallelujah. He reveals himself as you're working and doing kingdom work. And so it's important, church, for us to work together and be together and pray together, right? And be devoted to the things of God as a body of believers. We're called to put forth God's work. 
He has called us to make disciples. Who makes disciples? You, not just me, you are a disciple maker. So, that, so the way you live, the way you model, you're teaching people things about God. Are you teaching them truth or lies? Every one of us is supposed to help in this process. Hallelujah. And it's done in various ways. Paul picked up sticks and, and made tents and he served people all while doing the will of God. And some people don't understand this process. They get impatient. We need to wait on God. But one thing I've learned in, 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 in watching Paul, or, or I should say reading about Paul's life, he waited on God. Person of prayer, person of faith, person who carried the presence of God wherever he went. And when he went, the supernatural followed. Heaven's gates opened up, right? A door opened up to heaven and heaven came down and did the miraculous. And so if we're so impatient, not willing to do some lesser tasks for God, right? Before the greater one comes, you miss out on your miracle. You miss out on your blessing because you're always rushing to the next place. And God says, settle down, simmer down and do this task and be faithful and I will bless you with more. If we only focus on our problem and not God or what he wants us to do right now, we will miss opportunities and blessings that are for right now. If we get frustrated and we're quick to quit, we miss our blessing. God wants us, he wants to bless us. And he, want, and he expects us, right, to do right today, day by day. He wants us to have the right attitude today, day by day. But we have to wait in God's perfect timing. Does that mean you do nothing in the meantime? Of course not. Get involved. Get in the mix of things, right? Get into his word. Get into prayer. Get into praise. Bring your worship on, church. Do whatever you can do. Be moved and motivated by the Holy Spirit. Foster a relationship with God in those quiet moments of waiting. Even if storms in your life come. Stay alert. Be awake. Be passionate for the things of God. Walk and work in those ways. Paul's constantly looking for ways to speak about truth wherever he went. He was very intentional, and so should you. But it has to be basked in prayer, devoted prayer. Without prayer and meditating on God's words, we miss key opportunities, works of faith, works of service, missed opportunities. Paul was active when he was in prison, active when he was shipwrecked, active when he was bit by a viper, active when he even ended up on a strange island. And every one of these events touched lives in the process and he won souls for the Lord and healing went forward in the process and God delivered many people and saved lives. Verse 10, they honored us in many ways and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with supplies that was needed. The island folks not only took care of Paul and his friends, but also those that were with Paul. See, there's consequences for our actions, right? They're going to affect those around us, and they might be good, and they might be bad. God's blessing will follow your obedience. God's blessings follow your obedience. So often we want the blessing first, but they often follow his obedience to his will. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. Scripture tells us eventually he makes it to Rome. But again, through trials, through struggles, through pain, right? He was allowed to live by himself in, in this rented house, a house arrest. 
He was allowed to see others, but imprisoned in his own home. And during this time, he encouraged people and he was encouraged by people, but he often debated people in his home while in Rome. Many people came to hear what Paul had to say. Verse 23 and 24 says, from morning till evening, he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. And I close, just a few more minutes here, stay with me. Verse 30 and 31, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in, in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him boldly without hindrance. He preached the kingdom of God. He taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul under house arrest continued to work he continued to write. He continued to witness. He continued to teach. He continued to boldly preach and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. He continued to have a kingdom mindset regardless of the season and the storms that he was living through. Regardless of where he found himself. He was jailed. He was on a voyage. He landed safely on an island, bit by a viper. But he found himself in the presence of God every time. He constantly walked in the presence of God. And we should have that, that similar mindset. Oh God, I want to be in your presence, right? Regardless of what we face today. Regardless of what we face this week. Regardless of what you might go through this year. We must take adversity and turn it to triumph, church. Take adversity and change it to triumph. Maybe we need to just be more mindful that, of what God is doing. And move and operate and be motivated by the Holy Spirit that lives will be touched and transformed by the power of God if we're sensitive to his leading if we're sensitive to his guiding we might still find ourselves smack dab in the middle of trouble but regardless of where we find ourselves all glory goes to King Jesus and when we learn to pray and listen to his voice and enter his presence the supernatural will start to follow and manifest itself lives will be transformed by the power of God but even Paul, with all his wisdom, with all his authority, with all his knowledge and works of faith, some believed and some didn't. So if we just focus on what we don't have and our problems and those that might have left or are not here or those things that may or may not happen this year at all, we start to focus on the wrong things. Focus on God. Read his word. Be devoted to prayer. Be devoted to the things of God. And listen to the voice of God. And right now, God is speaking to hearts. Be motivated by God. Listen to God. When God says, go, go. When he says, pause, pause. When he's talking, listen to what he has to say. When he says, get up and go, get up and go. When he says, stop and wait, you stop and wait. Paul was shipwrecked. He was bitten, but he was never smitten. He didn't give up. He held on to the true promises of God. And just like Paul, we, to enter, we are to enter his presence on a regular basis. We are to eventually learn the presence of God, the peace of God. And we are to take that with us. Even when we don't see it, he is working, right? Even when we don't see it, he's working. He's the miracle worker. He is the way maker. He is the promise keeper, right? Light in the darkness. And we're living in dark times. But he is the light. Jehovah Jireh is the light. And we ought to stay in the process of obedience and living it out. And when we do enter his presence, life will be changed and transformed by the power of God. Would you stand with me as we worship for a little bit longer? Hallelujah. Wait
Oh,
We're going to sing this song again. I just feel it in my presence. So we're going to sing it again, but I want to dismiss the church for those that have to leave and need to run out. But we're going to sing this song just for a few more minutes. All right? Is that okay, church? Those who need to stay, stay. Those who need to go, go. We want to bless you in the name of the Lord. Keep, keep, let's go. Keep going. In Jesus' name, be with you all. Have a great day. Greet someone as you leave. We love you all. Hallelujah. Come on. Even when I don't